0: Hey everybody! Welcome to the podcast. This is Aaron, and I'm here with David. Hey guys, and Sharon. Hello. And uh, we got a number of things lined up for the podcast today. Uh, we're going to spend a few minutes uh, talking about. Something that came up in a staff meeting that we thought was worth sharing. So we're going to take a couple minutes and share that with you guys. And then we're going to get to hear from Tamara Miller, uh, who's had this critical role in the launching of the Isaiah 117 house. And so we're going to learn a lot about that, how we can get involved. And also from Corrine DePril, who um, is sort of our liaison as we do ministry with Family Promise uh, to address uh, some of the most urgent needs in Blount County. So um, that's what we've got on the docket for today. Uh, but first, Sharon, why don't you give us a quick, uh, a quick update on where we're at with the building and the new campaign that we started on Sunday?
1: Yeah, it was really exciting that we started on on Sunday. That we are uh, launching a a ten-week campaign uh, to raise all the funds to move onward for His Kingdom uh, down the street. (laughs) We're moving one mile away, and uh, you know, we did simple math on Sunday. Uh, If you missed it, um, you know, grab last week's sermon on you know the podcast or whatever. But basically, you know, the math turns out that we need to raise about two million dollars, and we've never done that before. We've never you say that's
0: a lot of money or not a lot of
1: money? <laughs> well, I mean, for some. I mean, not. Of course, that is so much money. And uh, so our goal is to raise that over a three year time mm-hmm. period. We're asking everyone to sort of um, really pray about giving a one time gift and then giving monthly for three years. And, um, i just just—it's been exciting. Like we have some feasibility charts and stuff, and 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 the math works. You know, I just think it's—I think it's going to be really exciting for us to to reach that goal and um, to make this big move, which will be really huge for for this mm-hmm. church, where we have room to grow. And uh, I'm just really excited about it. Yeah. So yeah, we just started. You can check out all the details on our website at VineyardChurch.us, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, we'll be giving updates every week.
0: Yeah, it's a huge, huge challenge to raise that money, but it is well within our reach. Like we can. Mm-hmm. Do this, and then um, I guess the other huge announcement we made on Sunday was that the overall cost of the project is three point five million. But the reason why we're trying to raise two million and not three point five is because we just closed on the sale of this building just just about a week ago um, on September sixteenth, and we sold this building, the River Oaks Community Church, which is a church in town that we love so much and are really happy to be working with, for one point five million dollars. So that yeah. makes the math. Yeah. 1.5 awesome. million helps awesome, a, a yeah. lot. <laughs> <It> <laughs> works clearly, clearly, clearly the up. kindness of God that all of this is, <laughs> <laughs> is kind of working. And it's, it's weird that we no longer it. own
1: this building. So now we are renters yeah. or leasers or something like that, but they are leasing back the building to us um, for pretty much as long as we need. Um, and again, that is just the favor of God.
0: Yeah, I, the day we closed, I, I celebrated. And then it wasn't too long after that that I had to sit and be sad for a minute because... It's weird that we don't actually own this building that we've, you know, been doing ministry in for so long. And yeah. I, I, I'm not a very nostalgic person, but I didn't think I had a nostalgic bone in my body. I actually think I said that on Sunday <laughs> not too long ago. But I think I do, and we, and we hit it, it just for a second. Yeah. Now, now I'm back to my normal self.
1: But. <laughs> well, it's been 11 years. We've been looking at pictures, and we have a picture when we were doing renovations of us wheeling Brie around in one of those like wagons, you know, because she yep. was one. <laughs> So yes. this, it's, we've been through a lot here. We've grown up a lot here, and it's been a, a really good place for us.
0: Yeah, Bree said she was going to cry and cry mm. when we when we moved. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's part of what yeah. God helped me find my bone of nostalgia. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's a really great news. And then we wanted to take a few minutes here and share something. Um, so once a month, our staff, our entire staff from Springbrook from Maryville, from our central staff, and Josh from Missions. We all get together once a month, what we call an all-staff meeting, and and we pray, and we share a meal, and we do stuff like that. And then, you know, we try to say something of value, uh, and maybe, we don't always do this, but a little bit of teaching. Mm-hmm. And we did a really simple teaching this past uh, week at our all-staff meeting that I a lot of people gave me positive feedback on and yeah. said, hey, that That's so simple and yet that's really, really helpful. And so I thought, hey, we've got a a way. The podcast is here so that we can share the stuff that doesn't fit on Sundays. I'm never going to preach about this, but um, why not take a minute to tell you guys about it now? So uh, the concept is a really simple one. Um, We can think of two communication styles that might be a a default style of communication for people. You have fluid communicators and you have rigid communicators. Um, Fluid communicators... Um, are a lot less direct, and they're not like they struggle to get right to the point. Uh, whereas rigid communicators are very clear, direct, and to the point and concise. Um, and there are there's a long list of pros and cons to both. And uh, so we spent a few time a few minutes thinking about this and trying to identify for ourselves. Okay, am I primarily a fluid communicator? or a rigid communicator. Um, and uh, we, took, we took some time to go around the room. You guys, wanna, you want to share uh, your personal <laughs> story on that?
1: <laughs> I think once you get into it, most people can guess.
0: Yeah. So, so I, it, well, it's one of those where it's like, I think my default is uh, fluid, but there's a lot of like rigid communication things that just make so much sense to me or like very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. So not to be the, like, oh, I'm somewhere in the middle. It's like, well, I, man, it, it, that's something a fluid communicator. That's what I was right? going to say. <laughs> that there, so there is the fluid. <laughs> but it, but the, the point is all like functioning adults have to do fluid and rigid communication. Sure. That's a big yes. part of what we talked about. Yeah. Um, but, we typically will default to one or the other, and so David, you default. Oh, yeah. To, then in that to fluid phrasing it that way, yeah, yeah, it's fluid yes. for sure. Yeah, and in the process of being an adult, you have to do lots of rigid yep. communication, Indeed. and you do it very kindly. But there you go. And Sharon,
1: I am a rigid communicator, um, and so I just we've been learning about this for. I don't know, it's been over a year now or something because it's really helped us in our marriage. This is why really a lot of people had some aha moments about their marriage and Mm -hmm. stuff. We're like, oh, that's why, you know, this is so different. And Mm -hmm. um, so when you can identify it, because obviously I'm, I'm the rigid communicator. And And
0: I'm a fluid communicator. And Aaron's
1: the fluid communicator. And so it's helped us a lot in our marriage. And obviously we work together. Um, And so just to identify those things. And again, not just like stick your heels in the ground like this is who I am. Mm -hmm. But like, oh, I'm doing that thing. And you're doing that thing. And and so you just kind of understand more about how you're communicating and how to reach the other person.
0: Yeah. Sharon, it's going to be 20 years we've been married this coming January. Wow. And it was about two years ago that we were like, you know what? We have different communication styles. I got 18 years. Wow, um, it's been a good you're doing great, guys. It's doing great. A good, doing doing a good, <laughs> a good 20 you. years. Telling like Tom Papa, if you know the. Well, reference. that's why it's yeah. like you. You're
1: doing great. You're
0: doing great. Look that one up, everybody. There's your <laughs> Look, nugget, if nothing else, from this podcast. Listen to Tom Papa telling us that you're doing you're doing stand great, great. stand-up comedian yeah. on Netflix. Okay, go ahead. Jen. Well,
1: I just I mean that's 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 the whole point of marriage is that you're always. You're always learning. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not like, oh, we've got all the tools we need now. We're good. It's like, oh, that's just really helpful. We had Mm -hmm. a lot of people in that room who had light bulbs.
0: Uh Like, oh. Well, for us, Aaron, the way that we finally put our finger on it uh, was when we were like, okay, why have we been struggling to brainstorm? Like, we've got some problem solving we need to do. We try to figure some stuff out. And I was like, man, we work together really well. We love each other very much. We've had a very healthy marriage. Why can't we do this well? (laughs) And then what we ended up discovering, and I think I can say this in a way that makes sense, when when Sharon when I say okay okay when Sharon says let's do this, what she is doing is she is offering that solution for review. Mm -hmm. When I say let's do this, I think we've it's already reviewed, and it's and it's a decision being made. And I will wait till the very end of the process before I will say, okay, let's do this. Mm -hmm. But for Sharon, that's the beginning of the process. And so when Sharon would say, well, let's do this, what she was saying was, well, let's evaluate and scrutinize this idea. But what I thought she was doing was shutting down any conversation about it because she's determined all all by herself that that was the answer. And mm-hmm. that's not what she was doing at all. <laughs> and, and she was going, well, why won't, why won't you push back? Like, let's figure out what the, you know, let's mm-hmm. scrutinize the the idea. And I thought, well, to me, as a fluid communicator, I thought that was having a fight. <laughs>
2: and, and you were
0: just like, no, let's talk. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah. it really helped us a lot. Yeah, it
1: helps a lot because as more of a rigid, I'm almost... I also want to do everything kind of quickly, like let's be Mm -hmm. efficient. A lot of it's Mm -hmm. about efficiency. And so it's like I I can talk in circles and, you know, for a long time... Or what I consider it to be a long
0: time. <laughs> <laughs> not for a fluid communicator. We're and then I'm like,
1: up. okay, let's just start like picking and choosing. Yeah. Let's just start think, putting putting that, one thing that's up. That's
0: the piece that for me at least where I'm like, well, no, that resonates where it's like, no, let's like there's for me there's a certain amount of like a bias for action. Like, well let's yes. let's do something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's try it. If it works, great. If it doesn't, not great, but like we that's okay. Like we tried something. It's mm-hmm. part of the process. Yeah. Right. So but yeah, that's and recognizing that makes the world a difference so now there's a couple things that happen now that we've identified it one Sharon is much less likely to say let's do this at the beginning of a brainstorming session because she's trying to be more fluid in her communication styles and I if she ever she does that I now know that she's not trying to make a decree and that's the end of it she's she's making a bid like here's here's an offer for us to hash this thing out which is something I love doing so Mm -hmm. it It kind of, weirdly, it fixed almost all of it in one fell swoop. If you're willing to recognize your style and, as Sharon said earlier, not just then dig into your style, but be willing to meet people where they're at, and it's it's been actually really easy in the wake of that Sharon for you and I to just sort of meet in the middle mm-hmm. and and we both just sort of give a little each way, and we both have understanding when we're doing the things that might be annoying to the other person we just it just makes sense now mm-hmm. and we've we turns out we're great at brainstorming stuff together
1: yeah you should tell um you should tell about the time that you were in the office with Johnny
0: oh yeah, I remember that that helped me put a put my finger on this thing for sure I was. Uh, in a meeting, a, a weekly meeting I have with Johnny. Well, in our his office, pastor.
1: which is in the nursery. In the just, nursery. Just, just, want, just in case you want to visualize. It
0: and helps. we're moving. And when we move, we'll have real offices. And Johnny <laughs> will have a desk that he doesn't have to set up every morning or every Monday morning for the week because he won't. Office in the nursery. Anyway, I was in the nursery slash the executive pastor's office talking to Johnny. And uh, Sharon just sort of popped in for a minute, just one of those door jam conversations. And Sharon, I don't remember what it was about at all. And Sharon was like, hey, we should do this. And Johnny was like, no, that's a bad idea. And Sharon was like, it's not a bad idea because of this. And Johnny said, well, I agree. Well, then let's do this and this. Yes, and one more thing. Okay. And then you just walked out. And it was like 45 seconds. You made about eight decisions. And I thought you two had a fight. (laughs) I thought, well, that was... Somebody needs to hug. So I, who needs a hug? I'm available. I You're need a hug. You're perceiving all this tension. Like, oh, my goodness. Oh, gosh. And I, I looked at Johnny a little bit stunned, like, is he okay? And Johnny just goes, man, I love working with Sharon. <laughs> the first thing. And then that afternoon, we were sitting on the porch talking, and you, un, unprompted, said, man, I love working with Johnny. It just get stuff done. And yep. I, And, you know. I don't know. I'm a little. I'm just a little too warm and fuzzy, guys. And uh, <laughs> that direct communication is so helpful. Like, let's get on with it already. And that's a thing that I've learned in this process. Is I love communicating with rigid communicators mm-hmm. who are different than me, mm-hmm. um, because those two styles are. If you're willing to approach it. With humility and with a desire to serve the other, the two styles are actually really complementary.
1: Right. Well, and you have to just realize like, sometimes you don't realize how you come off, you know. So if you're a rigid communicator, you don't even realize that you're, you sound like you're just dropping a hammer or this is how it has to be or, and because you don't mean it that way or, and especially as a leader, people are always coming to you to like, Problem solve, or what should we do? And so, a lot of times you have to think on your feet. Like you can't have a week all the time to mull it Mm -hmm. over. Or, Mm -hmm. and so it's like, well, let's just do this. And then now I have to be like, just so you know, when I say that, you can also come back and be like, well, how about this? Mm. I'm like, oh yeah, Uh and this. You know, like, but either way, it's it's been. It's just been a good learning curve for the, for the whole staff, and now we're realizing how big it is, not just for us because we're married and work together, but even just marriages.
0: Yeah, households in general. Exactly. It's good to know who's in the room, you know. And you did mention one of the, the downsides of rigid communication is that it can seem sort of you know, direct and, and directing. Right. The, the downside to really fluid Communication is sometimes I'll give what in my mind are very clear instructions. I'll walk away and people will look at each other and say, What the heck did he just say? I don't even know what the directives are Mm -hmm. because I'm, you know, kind of wishy washy and whatever you think and we'll figure it out together and, (laughs) you know, sort that out and blah, blah, blah. And and then that ends up being like really poor leadership and can cause lots of problems if you aren't, you know, it's a self awareness game. Like, know the way you operate, know the way the people around you operate.
1: Yeah, and regardless, you want to be approachable. Like, I would say you're so approachable because of that, the way you communicate. And then, you know, and then as, like, a a rigid communicator, you're like, I I feel approachable. Am I not approachable? You know, so it's just, again, it's all just a self-awareness thing, you know,
0: Mm -hmm. so sure alright well we just wanted to share that with you guys because we're like well that's a really simple concept that yeah. added some real value that we can we can throw up on the podcast Absolutely. real quick with folks Absolutely. so um, yeah so guys uh, I think next we're going to get to hear from Tamara Miller who's such a wonderful person and such a vital part of our church and a huge part of what's happening at the Isaiah 117 house so yeah. that's coming up next All right, hey everybody, I'm here with Tamara Miller here, and uh, Tamara, who's been in our church for like a good long while. We were just discussing eight-ish? Probably
3: around eight years.
0: Eight-ish years, which is a good a good long while. Um, but you're here to talk about Isaiah 117 house um, here in Blount County, so why don't you tell us what that is?
3: Sure. So um, an Isaiah 117 house is serving children who are awaiting foster care. So um, traditionally, you know, with, through the Department of Children's Services, what usually happens is a child is removed from a home out of concern for their welfare. And they are usually brought to the DCS office or some sort of office setting to await placement.
0: And, and that removal almost has to be ab- abrupt and unexpected Correct. or has the potential to really not go well from a legal standpoint, but the, the kids end up getting pretty jerked around in the process. Sure. Sometimes, they probably, right?
3: yeah, have no idea what's happening. It's, mm-hmm. um, you know, probably the worst day of their lives and, mm-hmm. you know, that's their mom or dad. And, you know, even though we don't approve, they probably do. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it is a very traumatic time. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, obviously a sterile office setting, government office setting, conference mm-hmm. room cubicle is not, a very welcoming, comforting spot when mm-hmm. you're in that, um, going through something like that. So we, uh, our founder, Rhonda Paulson, just mm-hmm. felt like we can do better mm-hmm. and we should do better. That's kind of our role as the church. And so, yeah, that's right. um, and Isaiah 117 house is a warm, colorful, inviting atmosphere where those children can come. We have certified volunteers that will love on them mm-hmm. during that time. And, um, We'll just walk along with the caseworkers and support them any way we can mm-hmm. and just make that waiting period um, hopefully a little less traumatic and mm-hmm. um, help them know that they're not alone.
0: Yeah. So this is when kids are first removed from their homes. Their entire world is spinning. They nor any of the caseworkers or people in the larger system yet really know where they're going to land. Yeah. Uh, Short term, midterm, long term. It's, it's all completely unknown. And then they end up going just wherever they can find a roof. In a lot of cases, so right. I used to work at a. It was a runaway alternative house, mm-hmm. and occasionally we would bring in houses. We would do like sort of emergency shelter for mm-hmm. kids in that circ, in those circumstances, and it was not uncommon at all to have a, a kid who's just totally. I mean, they're just the whole The whole thing is traumatic. Um, say yeah, I spent the last three nights in my caseworker's office. Right. That's not out of the ordinary. Yeah. And so that's not the plan. That's nobody's heart. That's no one's intent. Mm-hmm. And yet there's this unintended consequences where kids in the most traumatic moments get placed in these really difficult environments. And it just exacerbates the problem. Yeah. And that's where Isaiah House steps in, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's the it, idea is that it's very short term. Exactly.
3: It's a little niche. I mean, obviously, uh-huh. we wish we could fix everything in the system that's broken, but yeah. um, this is kind of our focus and our mission. Um, so, yeah, the average stay is about eight hours, but mm-hmm. that can vary a lot from mm-hmm. a couple hours to a few days. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it just depends on the situation and the you know size of the sibling group and you know mm-hmm. other factors
0: yeah and in those few days they're going to be in a place that is safe and calm and inviting and welcoming and there'll be people there who are trained to be comforting right. and facilitate conversation and all. Right. I'm, it's just such a beautiful thing i'm so glad that that this happens now you said the founder, Rhonda Paulson. Paulson yeah, mm-hmm. you have a backstory with so, her, right? Yeah,
3: she was my college roommate. Um, <laughs> another fun fact is I went to prom with her husband. Oh, really? so yeah. yeah, we go way back.
0: Yeah. Um,
3: so and yeah, still they were <laughs> exactly. They were walking their um, foster care journey, and um, she, you know, discovered that this is what happens when a child is removed from a home. From a home, mm-hmm. and she just felt like God was just laying an elephant on her chest, basically that we can do better. This mm-hmm. is, you know, we need to show these kiddos that they're not alone. And, um, so yeah, she started the first home in Carter County, Tennessee, which mm-hmm. is where they live. And, um, I think that was opened in around 2018, I want to say. Okay. And so I actually became a certified volunteer there and okay. would drive over for a weekend and be on call. And so yeah. that was kind of my first experience with Isaiah 117. And, um, Yeah, and then as time went on, I.
0: So I'm, I mean, I know the story, but I'm stunned that the first one was only five years, four years ago. The growth has been kind of crazy everywhere now. (laughs) Do you know off the cuff how many there are? Like, I want to
3: say, and again, don't quote me on this, but I'm guessing we have about forty expansions now.
0: Unbelievable. In
3: about seven or eight states. Uh huh. And I think pretty much all the states. And the U.S. have reached out, but but they've had to like <laughs> kind of slow our roll a little bit just because yeah. they can only handle so much expansion at a time. And, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just it's a day and a, a concept that you hear about, and then you just kind of can't look away. And so yes, like folks this are is like, we
0: can do better. Yeah. So yeah, they've had to slow it down because it's a huge process to get an Isaiah 117 house in place. And that, and you know that because (laughs) you spearheaded the process to get one here in Blount County. So how'd that go?
3: Yeah. So we, um, first had our first expansion meeting in June of 2019. Um, later that year had a minister's breakfast that was well attended, had a Mm -hmm. uh, luncheon where we raised over $60,000,
2: um,
3: had a, um, contractors, uh, breakfast where people lined up at a kind of dry erase board and signed up for different, you know, components of the construction Mm -hmm. and um, were donated an acre of land from Blunt Community Church. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, the community just stepped up big time. And then we uh, broke ground February 14th of 2020.
0: Yeah, which is fast. Yeah, that's fast. It
3: was, and then- I do
0: remember at the very beginning, I, the idea was brand new, and then Rhonda came to our church and shared it, and Natasha, who's on the board, is very involved. Maybe we'll get to that, um, telling us about it and thinking, "Boy, this is this is something has to be done." We're like, hundred percent, we're on board, and then I do remember thinking. I hope we don't have to do it on our own. Like it's just I hope it's not just the Maribel Vineyard. Like we're in, and that's a thing. We're in no matter what it takes. Hopefully we're not alone. And then I blinked and like churches everywhere were on board. I could yeah. not believe it's just such a compelling need, but it's also there's a there's a sense it violates something deep in our sense of justice that right. this is happening to kids. Right. And so I've just been it's one of those moments where you're sort of proud of your hometown. I was mm-hmm. like, Wow, that's that's the right response because it was. It, so many churches have gotten involved. Yeah, absolutely. BCC's donation of land was a big deal, mm-hmm. and just a lot of a lot of great stuff like that.
3: Yeah, we've got lots of churches partnering with us to provide certain items. Mm-hmm. For instance, the vineyards doing socks and shoes. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it takes a village, and it's our villages stepped up.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic, and it's been. A, so you said nineteen, you broke ground or
3: twenty twenty, February of twenty twenty, but of February. course that was right before. <laughs>
0: Something something happened. Something in 2020. happened. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, started you know the whole process of construction and that was slow. But mm-hmm. um, as of June of 2022, we yeah. were had our certificate of occupancy mm-hmm. and we cut our ribbon in, on August seventh.
0: Yeah. So that was just a just a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And how's it going now in these first few weeks?
3: Yeah, it's going well. Um, I know we've served I think eight children in the home yeah. since we've been open, but course 14 in the month of august just because even before our doors opened we were already trying to serve children right uh, caseworkers will reach out and say you know we've got a kiddo in the office can you provide lunch or some clothes or yeah. backpack
0: yeah so you're already doing things before mm-hmm. it even opened yeah and now that it's opened you're creating that space and or it's available to kids so it is it's functioning now it is
3: functioning fully congratulations thank you did you
0: did you take a minute and really celebrate yes. because that's been a long yes yeah i'm yeah. glad moments like that should be celebrated. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, and um now that it's there moving forward, um how can our church or anybody be involved uh to help serve anything we can do?
3: Yeah, so of course we've got our certified volunteers that um have to be put through training. So periodically mm-hmm. we will have uh trainings for those. That's that's you know not real often probably every 6 months or so. Um, so if you're interested in that, you can go to the website Isaiah117House.com and yep. sign up to become one of those. Or if you just want to be a volunteer that maybe sorts through donations or mm-hmm. does yard work or cleans the house, um, there's a spot for that too. So yep. anyone who wants to can go and sign up. Um, we we collect or we take freezer meals for foster families. So as those kiddos you know have spent time with us and they're going to a foster family, we ask that foster family, you know, what do you need? Pack and mm-hmm. play car seat. Yeah. Meals for the next few nights. What you know? And yeah. So that's because foster they,
0: families often have are given nothing. Correct. That, and mean, those right? kids
3: are often coming into custody with nothing. With and nothing. so yeah, that's yeah. the other thing that we do is provide you know everything they need for the mm. next two or three days, so that yeah. foster family's not running out at Wal- to Walmart at midnight.
0: Right. Yeah. Because it's pretty a lot of change happening on on them as well. Right. And so it helps smooth out the whole process. Mm -hmm. It's such a beautiful thing. It's such a good thing. Yeah, so we can get involved through donations. We can get involved at Isaiah117house.com and that's the numbers 117, right? Mm -hmm. Isaiah117house.com if people want to be... One of the volunteers who were there on site to help receive and serve the actual kids when they're there. Mm-hmm. And if not that, there are other places. To and
3: get then that. the shoes. I mean, I, right now in that house, there's every shoe size from infant to size 13. Uh-huh. And so a lot of those have come from this church.
0: So yeah. we appreciate
3: that so much.
0: Yeah, since we were, we already do that with the schools, which I guess right. you know, it, it, when all the guidance counselors around know that if there's a student at any of the schools that need that need shoes, they can call us and, awesome. and we'll deliver them in no time and uh, we, I don't know how many times we've done that so many times um, and so we thought well this is that's an easy little extension mm-hmm. and we can serve the Isaiah house in that way so glad that that's working well also well thank you so much for telling us Absolutely. about this thank you so Happy much for be being here. the catalyst to make this happen because it's, it's here now and, and it wouldn't have been had you not said yes to the Lord and I know you've worked probably thousands of hours behind the scenes to make it happen so um, well done thank you Thank you. Bye. All, right. All right. Well, hey, everybody. I'm here with Corrine DiPriol, who uh, has been at our church for, I don't know, a number of years now. How long has it been? Do you, do you know? About it? six years. About six years. That's a good long run. That's long enough to know our warts and faults and still stick around. So <laughs> that's good to know. Um, and you do a number of things around here, but today we're talking about family promise. And so our church is partnered with family promise and you've kind of always been our liaison mm-hmm. or I don't know what the, the word is for it. Um, but you've helped, uh, help make that go and help, uh, keep our church connected with that ministry. So since you're the expert around here, tell <laughs> us a little bit about family promise, how it works, um, uh, its mission, what's it, what it's into. How we're involved, that okay. type of thing.
2: Um, Family Promise, of course, is a nonprofit um, organization here uh, centered in Maryville, but mm-hmm. they are serving all of Blount County. Yeah. And their mission predominantly is that they look for a way to make sure homeless children and families mm-hmm. are safe and get into permanent housing. Yeah. So there's organizations here that... Um, Focus on vets, they Mm -hmm. focus on uh, former addicts, possibly, um, Mm. but Family Promise focuses especially on families with children. So that's their mission.
0: Yeah. And um, how is it that um, our church is involved with Family Promise?
2: Well, their um, uh, pattern of working up to this point has been to partner with churches. Uh, host churches and Mm -hmm. supporting churches Mm -hmm. who have the families stay on site and they provide uh, meals and services, supplies while those families are being trained and able to um, get their lives back on track to get back into permanent housing. Yeah. Um, So Family
0: Promises, they're not just using the churches to facilitate some housing, but they're also doing training and trying to help them Get some traction so that they can move forward and take a next step is that right yes
2: exactly in fact they have three phases they have a static phase when folks first enter the program then they move from static into transitional and mm-hmm. then finally into permanent and the on-site um, use of the churches has been for the static phase mm-hmm. what they're trying to do is um, alleviate a lot of the costs Mm-hmm. that folks have day-to-day f- sure. food and housing predominantly mm-hmm. so that they can focus on saving and mm-hmm. learning and getting ready to move into transitional and then permanent housing.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad that it's sort of that, that, more, that more holistic approach because a lot of ministries like this just kind of address the symptoms, which is a great thing to do. Like, it is really kind to address a symptom um, but all the more so if you're helping them move towards solutions and find ways that they're able to stand on their own right. two feet because it's exactly what they want to do. Right. That's the heart, and that's the desire. Um, so I, that's that's beautiful. That's part of why we got involved. Yeah.
2: They have quite a um, training program, and it depends on where people enter in what their needs are. Some mm-hmm. come and don't even have documents like a driver's license Mm -hmm. birth certificate social security card so they will help them put those together know how to approach agencies to get those documents um if they are jobless they'll help them with writing a resume Mm
0: -hmm.
2: how to interview you know those really basics Mm -hmm. that are important to know if folks come in and they have jobs um they help them to um, set up all their accounts. They help them to save. They have Mm. courses on parenting. They have Mm. courses on good nutrition, how to feed your family, how to budget. Mm. Um, They have one called um, Keys to Good Tenancy. Oh, yeah. Even so for when they move ahead.
0: Build a record. How they
2: even know to be a good tenant. What Mm -hmm. are their obligations and responsibilities? Mm -hmm. What are their rights? That kind of thing. So this usually takes about three months to get through that program. Mm -hmm. And the whole time they are saving, Mm -hmm. saving up for first and last, Mm -hmm. you know, um, all the, funds that are needed to get into apartments
0: people just especially that first and last like that's a huge barrier for a lot of people and i understand on the you know on those who are providing the housing i understand why that's necessary but that's that's a big hurdle for a lot of people and people sometimes just need help in order to accumulate some cash
2: and when so many are even going month to month Mm -hmm. you know they don't have that or if they have uh, many end up in the program because of some type of emergency, maybe a medical emergency mm-hmm. and of course, then they've had to drain all savings they have, sure, maybe they've had to um they've lost a spouse or mm-hmm. a divorce or um moved, yeah, and have to get reestablished and mm-hmm. so it's it's kind of tough when you face all those different yeah. things all
0: at once and it's incumbent upon the church to not look past those needs. You know, and you gave you gave sort of um, uh, reasons why people might have those needs that are essentially no fault reasons. Like right. these are this isn't things that people did; these are things that just happened. But then also, the church isn't supposed to look past the needs when there is fault. Like right. we're supposed to help people in their place of need, regardless of how they landed there. Right. But what I think you discover again and again is that these are often people who circumstances just got the best of them. Right. And, uh, and they need help. Right. And it's so the church just, we, we like to say, in connection with the box, that we have to ref, we refuse to look away. Right. And uh, it's it's pretty easy to look away, um, especially here in Blunt County. So I'm going to jump on a soapbox here. But one of the reasons we wanted to get involved, Corinne, uh, with Family Promise is because there is a significant housing need in Blunt County. And it's growing. And it is... I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. It feels like it largely gets swept under the rug and that it's it's sort of a out of sight, out of mind right. type of problem, especially here in Blount County. There are so many public facing services in Knoxville, but in Blount County there's a there's a large and growing population and within that there's a subset of people with dramatic housing needs and we tend to think those are Knoxville problems, those aren't Blount County problems. Um and we were it's one of the reasons why we wanted to get involved. And is that, I guess, Yay. Family Promise is aware of that. And, oh, yeah. And how, yeah, how, how, do the, how does that get discussed?
2: Well, it's real interesting. It's, that's kind of coming to the forefront these days among a lot of the social agencies. Mm. Um, but it was very interesting talking with Lori Crockett, who is the community liaison for Family Promise. Mm-hmm. One thing she pointed out to me was, that often the visible face of homelessness is the person standing on the corner yeah. with the sign that says, mm-hmm. you know, help, work for food, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Or it's the person pushing the shopping cart with everything they own. Or mm-hmm. it's the sleeping bag under the overpass right. that we've all seen, you know, with mm-hmm. folks huddling. But families are a little bit different mm-hmm. Um Often they, like, well, like we've already talked about, often they end up in that position through no fault of their own. Mm-hmm. Many of these families are working as hard as they can yeah. with one job, two jobs, mm-hmm. you know, trying to just stay ahead, and then all of a sudden something happens that pushes them over the edge. Mm-hmm. But the mindset for these dads and moms is keep on pushing, keep on going, keep trying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And many of them are reluctant to ask for help. Yeah. And so what they do is they they double up with, mm-hmm. they'll go stay with friends uh-huh. or they'll stay with relatives. You know, their kids might still be going to school mm-hmm. and they have no actual home mm-hmm. Um Lori pointed out during the summer it was interesting. She said many of these folks would get tents and go to campsites mm. and they'd set up their quote unquote home at a campsite, you know. Yeah. But that and and in them they're trying to work. They're trying to get their kids to school.
0: They're trying to do it on their own. They're all being conscientious and responsible. And right. Yeah.
2: And, and it's just... Not
0: looking for a handout. And but it's that determination impossible. to not look for a handout might make you get all the way to the point where you have literally no options left right. before you ever do ask for help. And then maybe the need's even larger than
2: And almost no hope. Yeah. Um, and she said what's interesting, during COVID, when these situations came up, People more so just hunkered down in place, Mm -hmm. you know. And landlords were, um, they had moratoriums against eviction. Yeah. Uh, The government was helping out Mm -hmm. families. You had childcare credits. Mm -hmm. Bosses would let you work from home. Yeah. You know, a lot of things like that Mm -hmm. that helped during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And as soon as that was over, moratoriums were lifted. lifted yeah you know so people who had fallen behind in their rent mm-hmm. were evicted mm-hmm. um, folks who'd been working at home all of a sudden were being asked to come back to work yeah they'd go look for child care again for their kids and mm-hmm. find out there was a two-year waiting list yeah. you know
0: yeah um, and not that it's cheap in the first place right yeah
2: I mean even the cost of child mm-hmm. carriage so, you know maybe they'd added another child in the mix mm-hmm. and then another thing that lori pointed out which is happening now because Miraville is growing so much there are businesses investors coming into town mm-hmm. they are um taking apartment complexes mm-hmm. buying them mm-hmm. Quote unquote, refurbishing them and then doubling the rent, and yeah. so the folks who've been there are 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 either missed, uh, displaced, yeah, or said you can return, but the rent's going to be you know x amount higher, and yeah. they're being um, forced out. They can't,
0: yeah, afford w- the rent. There's a massive affordable housing problem right Correct. now, and it is it's spiking right now. Correct. I mean, the numbers are really pretty astounding. It's like here we are in Little Old Maryville. Yeah, and these are like this. Feels like big city prices. Well, to we're kind of
2: turning into uh, more big city, you know, yeah. here than we've.
0: Yeah, but that shift has happened so quickly that. Right. I mean, there's not enough in place to help to help people navigate around it. Right. And it's happened so quickly that I mean, people are a lot of people are left stuck and and to your point, they're they're not on street corners holding signs. Right. Um, and that's not to denigrate the person who is doing that. I'm just saying there are a lot of people who are hurting and desperate and without options and that we don't see driving down the road. And they're
2: yeah, they're invisible. Mm-hmm. You you know your kids would not know some a child sitting next to them in the next seat at school. Yeah. Maybe going home to a campsite. Yeah. You know every night.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, that's why I'm so glad Family Promise is happening. Um, And uh, our our week is coming up as far as when our church serves to help facilitate this. Um, I think a lot of people don't know what that means. What does that mean that our week is coming up as a church?
2: Well... In the past, we have partnered with St. Paul's Lutheran, mm-hmm. and they have been the host church. Mm-hmm. We've been the support church. And mm-hmm. when folks were housed on site there, mm-hmm. we would help with meals. We would go and visit the families. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd do laundry, changing mm-hmm. the sheets every day they got changed, and, and just generally anything, um, making sure there were supplies for um Breakfasts and lunches mm-hmm. that the folks could take to their jobs, the kids could take to school. Yeah. At this point, the um, it has changed. There is no church rotation. The families are living in what has been up to this point, or has been in the past, the transitional housing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Family Promises owns a four-set duplex, four okay. apartments. Okay. They own a home that was donated by Clayton homes to Mariville Family Promise. Yeah. And they um, use a parsonage. So they have six different apartments that mm-hmm. they are have folks living in right now. Yeah. And what has been happening over the past um, probably two years now, we've been taking the meals to the day center and then those mm-hmm. have been getting delivered. Mm -hmm. to the families at their apartments. And Mm -hmm. that was for safety and just to not transmit COVID and so on. Well, they are now going to start just next week. They're Mm going to start having the families come back to the day center for their evening meal. And this is going to be Monday through Friday. They'll still be able to fix their own meals on the Mm -hmm. weekends. So they're asking... The host and support churches to do the meals at the mm-hmm. day center, and we get to go and visit. Yeah, hooray, hooray! We get to
0: yeah. Interact well, with that the whole families, social aspect was was gone for re- really for the span of COVID. I mean, well, it's it's ongoing, but at the peak of the pandemic, it was sort of it was pretty hands off, wasn't
2: right. it? Right. So you knew their names, um or a, very little about them. Mm-hmm. You know, you know kind of knew the family dynamic but um we just would deliver meals and mm-hmm. pray for them mm-hmm. you know write them a note mm-hmm. um we had volunteers who would send little gifts to the kids mm-hmm. little games or at christmas of course things mm-hmm. uh, but now we'll get to put faces to names and yeah. sit down with them again i'm so glad. which is exciting
0: yeah and that's the part that i think um, probably most affects our volunteers, the people in, in the life of our church who are getting involved. I mean, it's always good to write a check or prepare a meal or send a gift. Those things are always, always good. But it's all the more impactful when you're establishing relationship and right. building friendship and, and really walking with people. And I'm, I'm glad the door's back open for that. Correct. Yeah, I'm so really glad. So our week for that is coming up, and that's one of the ways that we're involved. If somebody hears you talking about family promise and they're encouraged, um, how how would you say they're able? They could they could get involved to to be a part and help.
2: Well, there are usually three ways, and this is with most organizations. They mm-hmm. say um, time. Uh, your mm-hmm. resources mm-hmm. and your money, mm-hmm. and that there's no difference there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, time could be directly through um, visiting the families at the day center. That's not an absolute. There's a whole lot of other ways. Family Project, uh, Family Promise has um, service projects mm-hmm. that you can help with. They have a second chance thrift store mm-hmm. too, and you can donate to That's them. Um, you can go and uh, serve as a cashier, mm-hmm. you know, help in that entity. Um, they also have special fundraisers. Every year they do an event called the Resurrection Run. It's a yeah. 5K. That's a fundraising opportunity, so mm-hmm. you can go there. Uh, they're currently. Just in the process of trying to put together a cookbook. And so I can put my um, two cents out to say, please give us your family recipes. Uh Um, They'd love to get those. That will be a fundraiser for them if they Mm -hmm. can get the recipes uh, from folks. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're going to do a wreath Mm -hmm. kind of a sale, mm-hmm. yeah. a little catalog where you can buy live, these are live Christmas wreaths, mm-hmm. and I've heard they're wonderful, mm-hmm. uh, swags and that kind of thing. That's going to be coming up mm-hmm. the, um, on October 7th is Night Without a Bed, mm-hmm. and that is a fundraiser, but it also helps to bring awareness of yeah. just what homelessness is and yeah. how difficult it is to try and function. And sleep in a car at night Uh or sleep in a cardboard box or a tent or whatever. So Mm -hmm. that's a neat opportunity that Mm -hmm. um, families could get involved and make it a family project to be part of Night Without a Bed. Yeah, Um, They could do that. Uh, Money is always, you can give directly to Family Promise. You can give gas cards. Mm -hmm. Grocery cards Mm -hmm. are especially helpful at this time. They're... um, I know of one family uh, that have not needed housing, but it's a grandmother taking care of her grandkids, mm-hmm. and she just needs a little help with groceries. Yeah. So we've been providing grocery oh, cards great. for her. Yeah. Um, but then the other the other way they can help is through resources. Um, it takes a lot of resources to keep the day center up and running. Mm-hmm. Um, when these families transition to permanent housing. They try and help them with things like new pillows, sheets for the beds, sure. um, rugs for the floor, mm-hmm. dish towels, dish soap, cleaning supplies, so on. All the yeah, things that cost a lot of money to get up. up and going. Yes. So those kind of donations, mm-hmm. they, Family Promise always has a Wednesday wish list. Of specific okay. things they're looking for right at that time. And that can be, um, you can see that on the BlountFamilyPromise.org website. Okay. So that wish list. Um, I already mentioned the Second Chance Thrift Store, mm-hmm. helping out by donating there. And then another uh, program that they have, which is pretty um, phenomenal, is called their Wheels to Work where if you have a used vehicle mm-hmm. that you are no longer in need of you can yeah. donate that car and the families have a way to earn that as part oh, of that's really cool. the whole program they will earn um a vehicle and of course they check them out and make sure they're in good yeah. running condition for the sure. families and
0: That's a big piece of this where the transportation piece falls, it ends up being, you know, a domino effect and and people end up in big trouble quickly. Right. Yeah.
2: And when you're living paycheck to paycheck repairs and that is pretty far down the list.
0: Yeah you know so and it sounds like probably the hub for all of that is the website right bluntfamilypromise.org
2: bluntfamilypromise.org and they have a great website and of course they are so friendly on the phone too if yeah. you just call and say i want to help sure. they'll hook you up
0: i love it well that's so great karen thanks so much for telling uh-huh. us all about it and if you guys want to get involved in any way Bluntfamilypromise.org and give them a call. Like Corrine said, they'll be happy to help you get plugged in and we're certainly happy that as a church we're involved as well. Thanks, Corrine.
2: All right, thank you.